Well, good morning. It's good to see you. It's a good, beautiful day to be at Summers Avenue, and welcome to Sunday morning. Some of you got here sooner than you thought, but we are glad you're here. So I want to just say, first of all, we're excited. Uh, We're excited for Kelson Miller, and we're excited for Alexa Mashburn. They are state girls basketball champions. CAC, way to go, girl. And so Alexa is the granddaughter of Faye and Gerald, and so we are so thankful for them. And most everybody knows Kelson over there, so uh, congratulations. You girls, I'm sure you uh, slept quite a bit yesterday, I would assume, and ate a lot, I bet. So uh, basketball season is over, but what a way to go out uh, for these senior girls. Uh, Tonight we have uh, our Generation 1, Gen 1.0, and so tonight we're going to come together in the auditorium at 5 o'clock. Uh, we'll sing, we'll have communion, and then we're going to go out to the activity center, and then we're going to spend some time around tables uh, uh, sharing uh, some uh, answers to some questions about our lives, about our faith, about our experience, and uh, learn more about each other and help kind of impart some faith and maybe some encouragement uh, to our, our family here at Summers Avenue. So looking forward to that tonight. And the next Sunday is our Caring and Sharing Potluck. So that will be Sunday morning uh, after services. And uh, if you have been... Uh, visiting with us here at Summers Avenue, and you have not quite yet decided that you want to place membership here, this this is going to be your church home, I want to encourage you and invite you personally to come to lunch with us next Sunday. And let's meet some of these folks and find out why you should make Summers Avenue uh, your church home. So that's next Sunday. And then also we've got coming up uh, April 13th through 15th, our spring retreat at Wildwood in Searcy, and this is for everybody, and uh, this is, you can come for the weekend, you can come out for the day, spend a few hours, uh, but it's a great time to sit around and just enjoy the, uh, the relaxation. Uh, we've got meals that are served out there, and uh, it is easy access, so there is, it's accessible to anybody, and so I want to encourage you to, to, to be a part of this. There are registration forms on the back table, and also you can sign up in the Summers Avenue app or through the website is good. And so uh, one last thing here, we've got some information that's been going out about a parenting class that's coming up in the fall. And so uh, we've got a meeting today, I believe, to kind of begin this organization. But even if you are not a parent, you have a purpose in helping this happen in the fall. This is going to be a a class that's going to begin uh, in September. And uh, Alan and Sherry Pogue, members of the church who are uh, family therapists, are going to be doing this class each week for the fall quarter. And so we want this to be an outreach effort. And so we're going to ask you to, to be praying about this, to invite others to help advertise this, and uh, make this a, an, an opportunity that people can come and not only learn maybe a little bit about uh, how to be a more effective parent, but also learn about how God guides and directs us Uh, to be parents and to be leaders uh, in our family and for these children. So uh, I hope you'll be listening and praying for ways that you can be involved in helping this be a success. And the reason we do things like this at all is because we believe that God's mission is not limited to one hour on Sunday morning. We believe that God's mission involves every day of our lives and every opportunity that we can find to be able to connect people with the body of Christ. And so that they learn what it looks like to be a child of God and learn what it looks like to follow God's Word in every aspect of our life. And so that's why we do this. And I believe there's a divine component to every conversion story. Every salvation story has a divine component. You think about this. Every conversion is a miraculous event because we were dead. 
We were dead in our sins, and through our redemption, we are raised to a new life. We are resurrected. That is a miraculous event. That's not something you and I can do. That's something only God can do. It's a miraculous event. We are blinded by the prince of darkness, yet God restores our sight through Jesus Christ. And so it it took a, a work of God to quicken our hearts and to open our eyes and receive this gospel of salvation that He presents to us. But this is what God does because He is relentless in pursuing His lost children. He is tireless in His efforts to bring us back. And so His passion and His perseverance and His resourcefulness are unlimited. And they will not be restrained by the narrow-mindedness of His children. So God is not limited by Sean. Nor is He limited by you and what we can think of and what we will and won't do. And so this is so clear in Acts chapter 10 where we are today. And so in chapters 9 through 15, we're in a section here of transition where the church moves from this local movement to now this global movement. It's expanding out. And so in Acts 10, God gives this vision to two very different fellas. So we'll pick up there. In Acts chapter 10 and verse 1, Now there was a man in Caesarea named Cornelius, a centurion of what was known as the Italian cohort. He was a devout, God-fearing man, as was all his household. He did many acts of charity for the people and he prayed to God regularly. And about three o'clock, one afternoon, he saw clearly in a vision an angel of God who came in and said to him, Cornelius. And staring at him and becoming greatly afraid, Cornelius replied, What is it, Lord? Can you imagine? So the angel said to him, Your prayers and your acts of charity have gone up as a memorial before God. Now send men to Joppa and summon a man named Simon, who is called Peter. This man is staying as a guest with a man named Simon, a tanner whose house is by the sea. So you know, Cornelius is like, okay, i got, got two Simons. How do I tell them apart? Well, obviously, the guy who lives by the sea is going to be Tanner, so you'll be able to pick him out. Sorry. So, so Cornelius lives in Caesarea. And so Joppa is 30 miles away from Caesarea, which is a pretty good walk. Even then, that's a pretty good walk. And so he's told, you go quickly and you find this man named Peter and you ask him to come back here. And so Cornelius was not the only person getting a vision, though, on this day. And so we go on in in verse 9. About noon the next day, while they were on their way and approaching the city, Peter went up on the roof to pray. And he became hungry and wanted to eat. But while they were preparing the meal, a trance came over him. And he saw heaven open and an object something like a large sheet descending, being let down to earth by its four corners. And in it were all kinds of four-footed animals and reptiles of the earth and wild birds. And then a voice said to him, Get up, Peter, slaughter and eat. But Peter said, Certainly not, Lord, for I have never eaten anything defiled and ritually unclean. And the voice spoke to him again a second time, What God has made clean, you must not consider ritually unclean. This happened three times, and immediately the object was taken up into heaven. So here you got Peter. Peter is hungry and he goes up to the roof and he falls into a trance and he sees this sheet with all kinds of food on it that seems to be coming down from heaven. And so this food, all of his life, he has been told as a Jew, you're not supposed to eat this food. 
And so he's hungry, and here's what's presented to him. Reptiles and, and birds of different kinds. And, and, and obviously, there would have been swine. There was, there was pork. And if you were a Jew, one thing the Jews knew they could not eat was pork. And so, side note, next time you eat bacon, when we smell bacon, you could say a little prayer of thanks, because if it was not for God's divine plan, we would still be living under the old law. So Peter utters the ultimate oxymoron. He says, surely not, Lord. Surely not, Lord. I mean, can you imagine words? If any words would not go together, it would be that. No, Lord. (laughs) Who's going to say that? Well, Peter is perplexed here. And he feels he needs to point out to God that in order to be faithful to God, he's got to disobey something God has previously told him to do. So, uh, you know, surely not, Lord. And God says, Peter, here's the deal. If I have said something is clean, you don't call it unclean. And to overcome this hesitation, God had to give him this vision three times. It took three times for this to kind of sink in. But still Peter was confused. And so in verse 19, while Peter was still thinking seriously about the vision, the Spirit said to him, Look, three men are looking for you. But get up, go down, and accompany them without hesitation, because I have sent them. So Peter went down to the men and he said, Here I am, the person you're looking for. Why have you come? And they said, Cornelius the centurion, a righteous and God-fearing man, well spoken of by the whole Jewish nation, was directed by a holy angel to summon you to his house and to hear a message from you. Now, I almost titled this sermon, An Officer and a Gentile Man. Because he was a Gentile man. He was was off limits. We, We tried to understand this, that as a Jew, Cornelius was out of bounds. He was off limits as far as a Jew was concerned. But Cornelius was an officer in an occupying army that Peter's people hated. Hated them. And it's important to notice that in the New Testament, this is fascinating to me, in the New Testament, every time a centurion is mentioned, he's mentioned as a good man. That's fascinating to me. You've got somebody who is very high in the occupying foreign pagan army, and the men that are brought out in Scripture are mentioned, hey, they're good men. You see, in every profession there are bad apples. No matter what you do, there are bad apples. But in my experience, most of the men and the women I know in the protection industry, that would be law enforcement or that would be our military services, most of them are good, noble people. The majority of them are. Men and women who were good, noble people, like Cornelius. And so he served his public well, and his public service was honored. But his sin were not covered. And so because whatever he had done for the needs of the people, it had not solved Cornelius' greatest need. And that's to be forgiven of his sins. And so Cornelius needed Peter. And do you ever wonder, why didn't the angel just tell Cornelius what he needed to know? I mean, God sent an angel. Why didn't He just tell him, hey, here's what you need to do to, to, to fix all this? I believe because God chose the ripple effects of this wave of people working through the power of the Spirit of God that's within us. I think that is God's plan. Jesus said what? You will be My witnesses. 
And so, when Jesus wants someone to receive the message of salvation, He sends someone to tell them. And so even though the eunuch, story of the eunuch, even though the eunuch had the Scripture in his chariot, Acts chapter 8, the Spirit sends Philip to him to witness about this Scripture. And so in Acts 9, Jesus Himself talks to Saul. But get this, Jesus doesn't tell Saul what to do, does He? He tells him where to go, but He doesn't tell him what to do. He says what? He says, you go into town, and there's a a disciple of mine who is going to tell you what to do. Church, we need to hear this. This is the plan and the will of Jesus. Because faith does not come by watching. Faith doesn't come by watching. And many live under the misconception today that if we just live good lives, if we just treat our spouses well and we don't cuss much, then people are going to look at us and they're going to walk up and say, hey, how how can I be saved like that? How's that been going for you? Because it hasn't worked that way for me. Faith comes by hearing the good news about Jesus. And so God is not just wishing people would find salvation, but He arranges encounters between seekers and speakers. And so in verse 24, the following day, Peter entered Caesarea. Now Cornelius was waiting anxiously for them and had called together his relatives and close friends. And so when Peter came in, Cornelius met him, fell at his feet, and worshipped him. But Peter helped him up, saying, Stand up, I too am a mere mortal. And so Peter continued talking with him, and he went in, and he found many people gathered together. And he said to them, You know that it is unlawful for a Jew to associate with or visit a Gentile. Yet God has shown me that I should call no person defiled or ritually unclean. Therefore, when you sent for me, I came without any objection. Now may I ask why you sent for me? <laughs> so that's, that's not the most captivating intro to a sermon that I think I've ever come across. You start your sermon with, okay, well, I shouldn't be here. You know, and I, you know, and I, I've never hung out with people like you. So, uh, but God told me to come here, so here I am. What you need, you know? That's re- usually not how you start out, uh, a, you know, a sermon from God. And so you get the clear impression here, though, that Cornelius is not the only person that God's trying to reach. See, God is preparing Peter for the mission He prepared for Peter, just as God is preparing you for the mission He has prepared for you. And so notice this at the end of chapter 8. After Philip has baptized the eunuch, chapter 8 and verse 40, Philip proclaimed the good news to all the towns until he came to Caesarea. And Philip stayed there a long time. Philip stayed there. In Acts 21, we know he had a house there. And we know he had four daughters. Philip lives in Caesarea. Where did Cornelius live? Caesarea. Philip's in Caesarea. Cornelius is in Caesarea. Why didn't the angel tell Cornelius to go see Philip? Why did, Cornel- Why did the angel send Peter? Why make a 60-mile round trip on this mission when there's a guy who can tell you about Jesus living just around the corner? Why, Why the- can you see what God is up to here? We need to see what God is up to. Cornelius needed Peter, yes, but Peter needed Cornelius because it 
seems that God often works on us even while He's working through us. And so Jesus arranges a divine encounter so that Peter would start practicing what Peter has been preaching. You remember this? Let's go back to the beginning. Acts chapter 2 and verse 38. Peter said to them what? Repent. He's in front of all the Jews. Repent. And each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is for you and for your children and for what? All who are far away, as many as the Lord our God will call to Himself. Who is far off? Who is far off? What do we read? Ephesians 2 and verse 11 earlier. Formerly you, the Gentiles in the flesh, that you were at that time without the Messiah, alienated from the citizenship of Israel and strangers to the covenants of promise, having no hope and without God in this world. Peter knew this. He knew this. And Peter was there when Jesus spoke of His death. We read about this in John chapter 12 and verse 32. Jesus says, And I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all people to Myself. And Peter was there when Jesus said, you go into all the nations and make disciples. And he was there when Jesus says, you will be my witnesses to all the earth. But it's years later here and Peter has not left the neighborhood. And he's not preached to anyone who did not look like him and did not think like him and did not grow up like him. And we too often live better than we believe. And too often we believe better than we live. And so Peter started speaking back in chapter 10 and verse 34. I now truly understand that God does not show favoritism in dealing with people, but in every nation the person who fears Him and does what is right is welcome before Him. He says, now I get it. Now I understand this. God doesn't play favorites. No one back then believed this. No one believed. This is radical. This is radical thinking. Everybody would have said, sure God plays favorites. Absolutely He plays favorites. The reason your nation has a God is because your God plays favorites for you. Your God looks after you. And in this ancient world, the most radical thing, the most illogical thing anyone could have ever said is for God so loved the world. World. That's radical. That's crazy talk. Because no, He doesn't. No, He doesn't. God doesn't love the world. He loves a certain subset. He loves a certain few people. He loves my people, right? In the world. And even as our culture disdains the Christian faith, the very core values that our Christian faith has created in this country is attributed to its foundation. All men are created what? Equal. Where'd that come from? Where's that from? Nobody in the ancient world believed all men are created equal. The men in 1776 who wrote that didn't believe all men were created equal. They didn't. Go back and read the history. 
But this idea came from the life and teachings of whom? Jesus of Nazareth. And Peter says, I'm starting to get it. (laughs) Okay, I'm starting to understand now. Peter needed Cornelius to understand the full implications of the Gospel. Just like Cornelius needed Peter to understand the Gospel at all. And here's the power of God unto salvation. You know the message He sent to the people of Israel, proclaiming the good news of peace through Jesus Christ. He is Lord of all. You know what happened throughout Judea, beginning from Galilee after the baptism that John announced. With respect to Jesus from Nazareth, that God anointed Him with the Holy Spirit and with power. And He went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil, because God was with Him. We are all witnesses of these things He did both in Judea and in Jerusalem. They killed Him by hanging Him on a tree, but God raised Him up on the third day and caused Him to be seen, not by all the people, but by us, the witnesses God had already chosen, who ate and drank with Him after He rose from the dead. And He commanded us to preach to the people and to warn them that He is the one appointed by God as judge of the living and the dead. About Him all the prophets testify that everyone who believes in Him receives forgiveness of sins through His name. Did you hear the inclusive language in this proclamation here? He is who? The Lord of all. He's the Lord of all. He went around healing whom? All. Healing all. Everyone who believes in Him can be forgiven of their sins. And Peter has preached this sermon before. He's preached this sermon multiple times, but Peter's never preached a sermon like this. He hasn't preached it like this. There are some things about Jesus that the Gospel does not reveal that you cannot fully understand about the Gospel until you get outside of your comfort zone. And so apparently Peter was going a little long in his sermon, and so while Peter was still speaking, (laughs) the Holy Spirit fell on all those who heard the message. And the circumcised believers who had accompanied Peter were greatly astonished that the gift of the Holy Spirit had been poured out even on the Gentiles. For they heard them speaking in tongues and praising God. And then Peter said, No one can withhold the water for these people to be baptized who have received the Holy Spirit just as we. Can he? So he gave orders to have them baptized in the name of Jesus Christ. And then they asked him to stay for several days. So it seems here that God was ready to get this done because actions are better than words sometimes, aren't they? Yeah, sometimes we talk too much. Sometimes we do. Sometimes we need to do something. So God just did something. And I tell, you know, Orrin knows that Orrin, if the Holy Spirit interrupts your sermon, you go ahead and offer the invitation, All right, It's time to move on. So Peter said, surely no one can stand in the way of these being baptized, can they? Here's a line. Who's going to cross this line that God has erased? The thing is, a few hours earlier, Peter himself would have stopped this from happening. He would have stopped it. Everyone who came with Peter would have stood in the way of these people being baptized. How might you be standing in the way? What biases? What prejudices are still on your sheet that are keeping you from seeing what God sees in this world and seeing the world the way God sees it. You know, my 48 years, I've come to understand how people from church 
can keep people from church. And I've come to understand it is possible for the church to have its vision corrected because God is the great spiritual optometrist. That is for sure. So what if you added to your prayers? What if you added to your daily prayers? Lord, help me see that everyone needs Jesus. Help me see this. No one is righteous. No, not one. But all are made righteous in Jesus Christ. That good people like Cornelius need the Gospel too. What if we prayed that? You know, we know one chapter over, there's an angel that tells Cornelius, Peter's coming. Chapter 11, who will speak a message to you by which you and your entire household will be saved. This is what the angel had told before Peter arrived. This man is coming and he's going to speak this message to you and your entire household. And even though he was an honorable man, honor does not cover sin. And so you don't reach God by being good. God reaches us with the good news that a Savior has come. And so what would happen if we began to see people not by the color of their skin or their gender or what part of town they live in, whether it's east side or west side. What if we began to see people in terms of whether or not they know Jesus? What if that's how we saw people? What if we asked God, help me see people in their relationship to Jesus. What if that's our prayer? There's no one so good that they do not see Jesus. And there is no one so bad that Jesus cannot save them. And so Lord, help me see how everyone needs Jesus. And Lord, while you're at it, help me see where you are at work in my world. Help me to see what you're doing every day in my life, in the world around me, in the the interactions that I have, the people that I know in the places that I go. And this means that we're going to have to get more comfortable in situations that make us uncomfortable. See, the Gospel will take you to places you would not have gone. To be with someone you would not have associated with. That's what the Gospel does. That's what the good news of Jesus does. And we must not be alarmed as the demographics of our country are changing rapidly. And will continue to change because God is bringing the nations to us. What did He tell those first disciples? You go into the world and you preach the Gospel to all nations. Well, guess what? In 2018, God is bringing the nations to us. We are all world missionaries. we just got to open our eyes and look around us. There are many political and social issues that are way above my pay grade, but I do know this. Every person matters to God. Every single person matters to God. There are doors being opened into people groups that have never been opened before. And Christians are being kind to people no one would ever expect to receive kindness from Christians. And so who am I? Who am I to stand in the way of what God is doing? And so when you meet that person this week, instead of thinking, what are you doing here? Instead of thinking, who are you? You might ask, Lord, what are you doing here? What's going on? Why am I here? What, 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 is this a divine moment? Is this something I need to interject myself into, Lord? What are you doing here? And instead of praying for a movement of God, what if Summers Avenue became a movement of God? And we moved in the world around us and we started being on mission to the people that He brings into our lives. Which means we would also need to pray, Lord, help me see the biases that are still in my heart. 
Help me see the biases, the prejudices that are keeping me from being a witness of Your greatness in this world around me. So we all, we've all been affected by cultural baggage. Every one of us in this room. Some of it we don't even realize and haven't realized, but we have. Cultural baggage shapes the way that we look at people. Shapes the way we look at one another without even realizing we're doing it. Instead of trying to deny it, how about we ask the Holy Spirit to reveal it so that we can defeat it and ask God to help you see better and ask Him to help you see what in your life is impeding your love for the lost. What is it with you or in you? And ask Him to help you see what it is you still need to realize about the Gospel. And ask God to help you see who is Cornelius in my life? Who is Cornelius in your life? Who is it that's been off limits to you that now it's time to share this message of hope in Jesus Christ with? Who is it? Maybe it's you. Maybe you're your own Cornelius. Maybe because of sin in your life, you thought, I'm, I'm off limits to God. Yeah, I thought I, I thought I once was, I thought I once was, but now I've, I've messed, I've done some things now that I'm off limits. No, you're not. No, you're not. Jesus Christ died once for all. But that sacrifice, that blood, That precious gift is eternal. It's eternal. And as long as there is breath within us, there is forgiveness. There is forgiveness. Who stands outside of the forgiveness of God? Not one person who will repent of that sin, who will reject it, who will confess it to God and give their lives over to them. This morning, maybe you're your own Cornelius. God calls you to repent. Confess that sin. And receive the forgiveness. If you're not a child of God, why will you not be baptized into Christ? The way, the truth, and the life. No one is going to come to God the Father except through Him. This morning, Jesus calls you to the sacrifice that He willingly gave for you to lay that down at the foot of the cross as He has picked it up and nailed it to His body as your sacrifice. Will you be baptized into Christ today? If we can pray for you, to strengthen you, to encourage you, this morning as we're gathered together as the body of Christ, our testimony, our witness, is that we believe there is forgiveness in Jesus Christ, which is why we are here this morning. So if we can help you with a need, to make Jesus Christ your Lord and Savior, to restore you to God your Father through His Spirit. Will you come as we stand and sing this good song?